Professor Dumbledore has granted me permission to start this little dueling club. And with that, welcome to the dueling club, learning one spell at a time. Hello, hello, and welcome to the dueling club. I'm Jen. I'm Al. You smile, but they can, that doesn't make a sound. No, <laughs> no it doesn't. Okay. But I did smile. Because ha- I'm glad you guys are here with this. Yes. So how are you? Tired. Same. Same. But you know what? We've been away. We had been away for a week, so we're just... We gotta do it. Getting back into the swing of things. We have to do it for you. And because we like Harry Potter. True. But, okay. Perfectly upfront right now. This is my least favorite book. It's very dark. It's not just dark. It's the pacing isn't my favorite. Okay. Pacing isn't my favorite. We are introduced to a character that I thoroughly do not enjoy. And one of the characters we weren't a huge fan of before um, now becomes insipid. Yeah. It's it's character changing things, new characters. I just don't like. I don't like it. I don't like the idea of an entire government body trying to destroy a teenage boy because it fits their agenda. That doesn't do it for me. Well, unfortunately, that is very characteristic of what government bodies do, especially to to radicals, people they define as radicals, or revolutionaries. And the radicals and revolutionaries typically are teenagers. Yeah, but not like or this. super young adults. But not like this. Not like controlling newspapers. Uh, I'm sorry, North Korea? Russia? Yeah, well, it's other things. Other governments in the past? Yeah, but we're talking about a government that is, like, hidden within, a like... An existing society. I understand yeah. that. However... This is just, it's just It's definitely par for course for what you'd assume that a government would do when they want to go against someone. I totally get it. But it's just like... I think the reason you don't like it is because you would like to believe that government shouldn't do that. Yeah. Or wouldn't do that. Yeah. But they do. And they would. Sad face. Yeah. We have to live, we have to live in the world that we actually live in and not the one that we would like to live in. And if we want to live in the one that we would like to live in, then we need to make the one we actually live in more like that. Okay. I'm just saying. You can be upset and complain all you want, but unless you're willing to take action within the limits and confines that you can, then if you're not willing to do that, then you kind of have to take several seats. Yes or no? Yeah. I always remember something that my eighth grade teacher, you had the same teacher for eighth grade, uh, said, inaction is tantamount to consent. If you don't like something, do something about it. If you don't do something about it, you're essentially saying you're okay you're with the thing. You're permitting it to happen. Yes. So, again, I, I love that in our formative years, that's what we heard. Yeah. Yeah. So that goes very much along with with this the theme of this entire book. Like the Order of the Phoenix is a subversive group, no. essentially. Don't pause, don't pause. So back to that, by the way. Another one, and this is from a video game. Okay. Is So um, Art Imitating Life. Yes. Is um Ezio Auditori mm-hmm. from Assassin's Creed. Of course. Um, his speech on what the Assassin's Creed actually is. Yes. And it's to say to say that nothing is true is to realize that the foundations of society are fragile and that yes. we must be shepherds of our civilization. Yes. To say that everything is permitted is to understand that we are the architects of our actions. Yes. And that we must live with their consequences, whether Absolutely. glorious or tragic. Yes. Dude. That that's that's kind of very profound. When I worked as a mental health technician mm-hmm. in a um, short-term inpatient facility, mm-hmm. um, I worked with teenagers, and I would always tell them, 
your actions have consequences, both good or bad. In here, your actions have a set, uh, a, a determined set of consequences. You follow the rules, your consequences are good. You don't follow the rules, your consequences are bad in varying degrees. If you do the same crap out in the real world that you're doing in here, you're going to be faced with a different set of consequences and they're going to be a more immediate and sometimes violent. Do not be a little pain in the booty out in the real world. It's not going to be favorable for you. Period. And then, of course, after I said that to somebody, they decided to test my theory and they ended up doing it to somebody who was known for being a little violent and they were met with swift consequences. Well, because teenagers are fast. True. I'm just saying. I, I did my job correctly and I was able to stop the situation before it got worse. However, because teenagers move fast, I was not able to stop it from happening altogether. Just saying. And teenagers are sneaky. True. So I just why, wanted why to throw are that out teenagers there. Teenagers like ninjas. And three-year-olds are like ninjas. And the funny thing is, is that some teenagers think they're like ninjas. And they're not. They're they're like Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. Or they're like a very clumsy... They're like creature. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's kind of sad. Yes. Anyway. So, anything, anything you want to talk about? Besides the really cool moment that we just had about like actions and consequences and video game stuff and well I mean that makes sense we're again life sometimes life imitates art sometimes art imitates life you know it's it happens and if we want things to get better we have to make them better that's all and I think that this set of books helps in that because we have all of these this generation of people who grew up reading these books and realize government shouldn't get involved in things that don't pertain to it and when government gets involved and starts suppressing free speech problems ensue huge problems the boogeyman is sometimes real and sometimes we have to protect the the least of us in that the ones who don't have a voice the ones who can't protect themselves if you have a voice and can protect yourself you should use it for multiple people not just yourself and it doesn't matter where you were raised or who you were born to where you were born to you can grow to be bigger than your circumstances Mm -hmm. better than your circumstances and sometimes worse than your circumstances because at times, and I'm looking at you, Barty Crouch Jr., you can be given all of the options, all of the opportunities to succeed and still end up choosing to do the wrong things. That's what we learned from this set of books, along with a bunch of other things. What we learned from this set of books is that it doesn't matter what you're born into. It doesn't matter if you're born into a pure-blood family, if you're born to muggles, if you're born to... uh, My mom's a witch, my dad's a muggle. That as well. None of that matters. Mm -hmm. What matters is what you choose to do. What what matters is what you choose to do. doesn't matter what house you're in, because... No, it doesn't. Sometimes, sometimes the... The ambitious Slytherin is the one you need in your corner because they're going to figure it out. Sometimes the the loyal, uh, the courageous... Sometimes um, it's the courageous Ravenclaw that knows exactly what to do yeah. or knows... Or, ha- or has or knows already thought take, seven steps ahead. 
or knows to take action in a specific moment of spontaneity because they know that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Or maybe it's the Hufflepuff who... I'm bringing up a very specific one, very obviously, is a catalyst for the world to know that things need to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it's the really clever Gryffindor who says, we need to take matters into our own hands. Yeah. So I, I think that this book basically is just showing us you don't have an excuse your excuse is that you don't care if there's a tough choice to make, but it's the right choice. Yes. Anyway, enough about morality and very deep stuff. Well, again, these books are that. They were... Numerous people grew up on this. And right now, it's even more important than ever. True. This almost feels like a parable. It was written in the 90s for us in the, you know, 2020, 2021. Oh. My Church of Harry Potter, man. I, I, <laughs> I ask you. Oh. We wear robes of red, blue, yellow, and green. Kind of <laughs> like a rainbow. So, that's where we're at. And um, this is season five. Episode 15? Yes. Uh, Of? Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Chapter 15, The Hogwarts High Inquisitor. Inquisitor. That makes me feel so weird, because in my brain, I associate Inquisitor with, like, Star Wars. Yeah. Like a Sith Inquisitor. I mean, So it it fits. It fits. That's the thing. It works. (laughs) I hate it. So, hold on. so before we get there, let's talk about what just happened in, in chapter 14. Um, basically, Umbridge sucks. Harry was able to send a letter to Sirius and at the same time have an awesome conversation with uh, Cho all on his own. And Filch was like, I heard you're placing an order for dung bombs. Where did he hear this from? Who is his source? Bad source. Yes. Um, what else? Many things. Quidditch practice, no good good? No. Because the Slytherins are terrible. Yes. Percy douche? Yes. Percy sent a wonderful letter. So advertised with Harry Potter, maybe violent, no problem. Um, yeah. what else? Serious fire. Uh, fudge scared Dumbledore make army. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Go. I'm looking. I just wanted to make sure that he still hasn't told them that somebody told Filch that he was placing an order for dung bombs. Hmm. Because I think that that's a, an important piece of information he's not telling them. To him, it might not seem like an important piece of information, but why would Filch assume that he's placing an order for dung bombs? Has Harry ever used dung bombs around him? That's the thing. Not that we know of. So, so why would he assume that? There's no experience to back up this assumption. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's goofy. Anyway. Yes. <clears throat> starting the chapter. Yes. The next day, the Daily Prophet reports that the Ministry of Magic has appointed Dolores Umbridge as High Inquisitor. Yeah, they thought they were going to have to carefully read the Daily Prophet oh, no. to see what Percy was hinting at. But nope, it's baby. right there. Giving her extensive power to arbitrarily impose new rules and regulations at Hogwarts. Hold on a second. This is not the first time in recent weeks Fudge has had to use... Has 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 used new laws to affect improvements at the Wizarding School. As recently as August 30th, Educational Decree 22 was passed to ensure that, in the event of current of the current headmaster being unable to provide a candidate for a teaching post, the Ministry would select an appropriate person. That is how Dolores Umbridge showed up at Hogwarts. He couldn't, Dumbledore couldn't find a defense against the Dark Arts teacher, understandably so, because it 
people who are in that post don't tend to last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how she's there. Yep. She apparently intends to evaluate all teachers and classes. Mm-hmm. During lunch, Fred and George tell Harry that when Umbridge inspected their charms class, Professor Flitwick just ignored her. In, div- in divination, Harry finds Umbridge there with a the clipboard. Hold on a second. Can I just tell, read part of the article? Yes. This is a... Okay. Going back. That's how Dolores Umbridge came to be appointed to the teaching staff at Hogwarts, said Percy Weasley. Last night, Dumbledore couldn't find anyone, so the minister put in Umbridge, and of course, she's been an immediate success, totally revolutionizing the teaching of defense against the dark arts and providing the minister with on-the-ground feedback about what's really happening at Hogwarts. You know what they say about snitches? Snitches get stitches. I'm just saying. Break his legs. It is the it is the last function that the ministry has now it is this last function that the ministry has now formalized with the passing of educational decree 23 which creates the new position of Hogwarts high inquisitor. This is an exciting new phase in the minister's plan to get to to grips with what some are calling the falling standards at Hogwarts said Weasley. The Inquisitor will have powers to inspect her fellow educators and make sure that they are coming up to scratch. Professor Umbridge has been offered this position in addition to her own teaching post, and we are delighted to say that she has accepted. The ministry new mo- Ministry's new moves have received enthusiastic support from parents of students at Hogwarts. So guess what, what our wonderful Mr. Lucius Malfoy says? I feel much easier in my mind now that I know that Dumbledore is being subjected to fair and objective evaluation. Many of us with our children's best interest at heart have been concerned about some of Dumbledore's eccentric decisions in the last few years and will be glad to know that the ministry is keeping an eye on the situation. Among these eccentric decisions are undoubtedly the controversial staff appointments previously described in this newspaper, which have included the hiring of werewolf Remus Lupin, half-giant Rubeus Hagrid, and delusional ex-auror Mad-Eye Moody. Rumors abound, of course, that Albus Dumbledore, one supreme mugwump, God, what what a title, of the International Confederation of Wizards and Chief Warlock of the Wizengamot is no longer up to the task of managing the prestigious School of Hogwarts. I think the appointment of the Inquisitor is a first step toward ensuring that Hogwarts has a headmaster in whom we can all repose confidence, said a ministry insider last night. Okay. Wizengamot elders Griselda Marchbanks and Tiberius Ognan have resigned in protest at the introduction of the post of inquisitor of hogwarts hogwarts is a school not an outpost of cornelius fudge's office said madame marchbanks this is a further disgusting attempt to discredit albus dumbledore and in parentheses for a full account of madame marchbanks alleged links to subversive goblin groups turn to page 17 well look at that one person who supports dumbledore Ooh, guess what they're linked to subversive groups. We can't trust them. Mm-hmm. Again, the thing that Al really, really, really dislikes. Here's a government agency having taken over the news that is available in a newspaper that everybody in the community reads. And also using that opportunity to discredit someone who doesn't agree with them. They can't see you shaking your head. Oh, if I, it, I hate it. I hate it. I know. I really, really, really hate it. Yep. Let people stand on their own. Let evidence speak for itself. Why do you need to slander everyone? Everyone that you can. Because it doesn't fit your narrative. Yes. I hate it. Yes. So... She's going to start evaluating them, the teachers. I mean, the, clearly. The, the big the big drop aside from that is the fact that Dumbledore did not hire her. No. 
Dumbledore could not find a defense against the Dark Arts teacher, and so the Ministry made a law that if a position isn't filled they get within a certain it. time frame, they fill it. Yes. So before before lunch, obviously they have some classes, so they head to to uh, Professor Bin's class, and it's boring. Um, History magic is all is always boring for them. Yeah, and. She wasn't in Snape's class either, which was Double Potions, where everybody gets their Moonstone essays back. You know, the one that Harry was writing in the middle of the night because he had detention? Yes. Um, And he got a big old D on it. Ds don't count for what we think they count for. Um, Snape tells them, hey, I graded you on how on what you would have got based on what you would have got if this is what you turned in for your owl you need to step it up and at lunch that's when we find out what those things stand for um where do they say so top grade is o for outstanding um and then there's a nope there's e E, which is yes and then there's a which is acceptable and that's the last pass grade. Then you get P for poor mm-hmm. and D, which Harry got, for dreadful. <laughs> and then George reminds him that there's a T, which is even for lower troll. than a D for troll. I love it. And Ron lets them know I got a P, so I mean at least I can go up from there. And Harry's like <coughs> I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> It literally says he fakes a coughing attack. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's that. And that's when they ask if um, anybody's been in a lesson that was monitored. And that's when Fred and George say, yeah, Flitwick's uh, charms class. But it was great. Yeah. And he just ignored it. Yeah. So, after that, they go to Divination... With Professor Trelawney, who we know is already a little out there. And guess who shows up? Umbridge. For her evaluation. And Umbridge follows Trelawney around everywhere. So Trelawney was actually about to go sit at her desk after she tells all the kids to... to, um, basically work on interpreting dreams... And she's going to her desk and she sees Umbridge just sitting at a chair just inches away from her table. And she's like, quick left and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so they open up their copies of the Dream Oracle and Umbridge is watching everything. Ron is like, think of a dream real quick in case the toad comes back. Oh, Harry says that. And Ron is like, hey, I did it last time. It's your turn. And he's like, Sure. Um, how about I had a dream drowning Snape in my cauldron? <laughs> I think Except it's legit. It. it happens. Yeah. Everyone has had that dream before, to be fair. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would. Snape is terrible. Neville has. Yeah. I'm sure he also does that while waking. Some little daydream. Now they have to figure out what what it means per the stupid book. Yeah, it's something like your age to the date you plus the date you had the dream plus the number of letters in the subject. But I mean, what is the subject here? Feels like one of those like corny like 2011 like MySpace things. Like, what's your stripper name? It's the last food you ate plus the color of your underwear. Yeah, and and then. To, I don't know, some other thing is something about, like, the first street you were, what you call... I don't know, dude. It sounds stupid. It sounds hard for no reason. And then he's like, what night did you have this dream on again? He's like, I don't know. Whenever you like. Last night. It's a fake dream, people. It's a fake dream. Just come up with a day. Um, And then Harry's trying to overhear what Umbridge is asking. And Umbridge is like... You've been in this post how long exactly? 
and we find out nearly 16 years and it was Dumbledore Professor Dumbledore who appointed you and she's like that's right and you are the great great granddaughter of the celebrated seer Cassandra Trelawney yes and Trelawney holds her head up high a little bit but I think correct me if I'm mistaken that you are the first in your family since Cassandra to be possessed of second sight and Professor Trelawney says these things often skip our three generations <laughs> listen I mean she could have just said a few generations she didn't have to literally be like so sometimes we don't get it. And Umbridge is like, of course. Well, if you could just predict something for me then. I hate that. I hate when put people put you on the spot for something. You know what? When it happens to me the most? Mm. When people are like, oh, you speak Spanish? Say something. No. No, you know what? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutamente no. Precisely. I'm just saying, don't ask me to say something. Like, really? You're going to put me on the spot like that? That's annoying. That's super duper annoying. I don't ask, I don't ask you for something on the spot. Like, oh, you're really into anime? Tell me who this secondary character is and what they did and in what season were they introduced and in what season did they die? No? No, you you can't? No? Okay, then you're not really a fan. Then you don't really know. Oh, no. I hate people. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes. Sorry. I'm, I'm in a mood. It just happened. So, Professor Trelawney is like, I don't understand you. I can't just, like, do that. The inner eye does not see upon command. And Professor Umbridge says, I see, making another note in her clipboard. I, but wait, I, I think I see something, something that concerns you. Why, I sense something, something dark and, and some grave peril. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that you are in grave danger. There was a pause. Umbridge, <laughs> she raised her eyebrows and she's like, right. Well, if that's really the best you can do. Poor Trelawney. And she's in a terrible mood. And of course, Harry's dreams um, get interpreted by Trelawney at the top of her voice. And in all of them, uh, they foretold a gruesome early death. That's nice of her. Hasn't she been predicting Harry's death since like day one of the class? Uh, yeah. With the Grimm. Day one of the class. And Professor McGonagall was like, she always foretells someone's death. It's fine. Which one of you is dying? <laughs> Which one of you is dying per Professor Trelawney? <laughs> You know that's bad when the teacher knows your shtick. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's also unfair because they've known each other for so long. Yeah. But, you know. So the next class they have is um, Defense Against the Dark Arts. And... <sighs> so they're there when Professor Umbridge enters in the room humming and smiling to herself. And Harry and Ron are telling Hermione exactly what happened in Divination. Because Hermione was in Arithmancy. She tells everybody wands away. And the few people who were optimistic enough to have them out sadly put them away. Um, she says, hey, everybody read Chapter 2. There's no need to talk. And right away, Hermione puts her hand up in the air. And instead of calling on her directly like she did last class... She goes over to her, leans down towards her, and whispers to Hermione so that nobody else can really hear, except for the people right next to Hermione. What is it this time, Miss Granger? I've already read chapter two. Well, then proceed to chapter three. I've read that too. I've read the whole book. 
to which her, um, Professor Umbridge blinks, but then recovers instantly. Well, then, you should be able to tell me what Slinkard says about counter jinxes in Chapter 15. He says that counter jinxes are improperly named. He says counter jinx is just a name people give their jinxes when they don't want to make them sound when they want to make them sound more acceptable. And Hermione continues, but I disagree. Professor Umbridge says, you disagree? Yes, I do. Mr. Slinkhard doesn't like jinxes, does he? But I think they can be very useful when they're used defensively. Oh, do you? Oh, you do, do you? Well, I'm afraid it is Mr. Slinkhard's opinion and not yours that matters within this classroom, Miss Granger. But that is enough. Miss Granger, I'm going to take five points from Gryffindor House. And Harry says, what for? And Hermione whispers urgently to him, don't you get involved. For disrupting my class with pointless interruptions. I'm here to teach you using a ministry approved method that does not include inviting students to give their opinion on matters about which they understand very little. Your previous teachers in this subject may have allowed you more license, but as of none of them, with the possible exception of Professor Quirrell, um, Quirrell, who did at least appear to have restricted himself to age-appropriate subjects, would have passed a ministry inspection. And this is the part that kills me, Al. Mm. He says, yeah, Quirrell was a great teacher. That was There was just that minor drawback of him having Lord Voldemort sticking out of the back of his head. Yeah. <laughs> that could cause issues. That could. And we're sorry there's somebody mowing a lawn outside. Yes. Um, and there was, like, a really thick silence after that. And Umbridge says, I think another week's detention would do you some good, Mr. Potter. Why, Harry? Why are you losing your temper? Ow. That's the thing. I know, but it's going He's to... losing his temper... Uh, from the very beginning. From when he knew that his friends weren't keeping him in the loop. He's been angry this entire time. Yeah, but he, he, he was warned by McGonagall, don't lose your temper. This isn't a regular teacher. This is going to end badly for you. She works at the ministry. The ministry is yeah, well, work keeping a really... Too. huh. She can work with these hands, too. Yes, I understand. But she's... She's not a good person. True. So... Um, yeah. There's that. I don't know, it just is so funny the only person that she's okay with is the person who literally brought Voldemort into the castle. Oh, yeah. No, he was fantastic. Harry's like, did you back of his head? Did you forget that happened? Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone. Like, it was a thing. She's like, I'm sorry, don't understand. Bull crap. Like. And then, of course, she takes the opportunity to give him more detention. Like, she's terrible. She's terrible. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, let's get back to our, our books, our stuff. And it says, the next thing it says in the book is, the cut on the back of Harry's hand had barely healed, and by the following morning, it was bleeding again. Because that's her detention. Her detention is causing physical harm to students. But you know, she's a wonderful person. And she's been a great asset. Stupid Percy. Yes. Even sensational. No. Yeah. 
And of course, the, the worst part, the very worst part of the second week's worth of detention was just as George had predicted, he said, don't get detention. Angelina will lose her crap. Don't do it. The very next day after he did his first detention, because he got detention on Monday, um, Angelina storms up to him at breakfast, shouting so bad that Professor McGonagall had to come in and be like, how dare you make a racket in the Great Hall? Five points from Gryffindor. And Angelina's like, no, wait, but Harry got detention again. And McGonagall turns around and is like, Is this true, Potter? Yes. And after I warned you, you still got detention. You are clearly not paying attention to what's happening. I'm taking five points from you, too. And he's like, wait a second. But, but I'm already being punished. And she's like, yes, but clearly detentions don't do anything for you. So let me take some house points. You suck. Stop being emotional. Figure that out. You know? Um, so, and she looks at Angelina and says, and you better keep your outbursts to the Quidditch pitch. Okay, bye. And Harry's like, I can't believe she took points away. And Ron's like, I know. She's out of order. She's being out of order, yeah. mate. And Hermione's like, well, I don't, I wish she hadn't taken points from you, but I think she was right to warn you not to lose your temper with Umbridge. And Harry's like, <clears throat> so the, the very next class they have is Transfiguration with McGonagall. And he literally, Harry can't be angry with her anymore. He forgets because guess what class Umbridge is watching at that moment? Transfiguration. Oh, well, of course. Oh, yes. So, Professor McGonagall walks in, and she literally doesn't even... She acts like she doesn't even notice Professor Umbridge is there. She's like, whatever. And she says, um, that will do, and everybody falls silent. And she says, Mr. Finnegan, kindly come here and hand back the handwork, the homework. Miss Brown, please take this box of mice. Don't be silly, girl. They won't hurt you. And hand one to each student. And Professor Umbridge, hmm, hmm. The same way that she interrupted Dumbledore on the first night. Says, um, that's what she does. And McGonagall acts like nothing happened. Uh... And she's like, right then, everyone, listen closely, Dean Thomas. If you do not put, do if you do that to the mass again, I shall put you in detention. Most of you have now successfully vanished to your snails, and even those who ha were left with a certain amount of shell have the gist of the spell. Today we shall be, and Umbridge does the hmm hmm again, <laughs> and Professor Umbridge is like, yes. I was just wondering, Professor, whether you received my note telling you of the date and time of your inspect. Obviously, I received it, or I would have asked you what you were doing in my classroom. As I, as I was saying, today we shall be practicing the altogether more difficult vanishment of mice. Now, the vanishing spell, hmm, hmm, and McGonagall gets testy, and she's like, I wonder how you'd expect to gain an idea of my usual teaching methods if you continue to interrupt me. You see, I do not generally permit people to talk when I am talking. Oh, so good, so good. Oh my God. And Umbridge looks like she just got slapped in the face and she's quiet and she just sits there not following Professor McGonagall around like she did with Professor Trelawney. So she talks about it. And what I said in the last podcast, that's what she says. She says, um, you know, snails as invertebrate do not present much of a challenge. A mouse, on the other hand, a mammal, offers a much greater one. So you cannot do this magic if your mind is on dinner. You know the incantation? Go for it. And Harry is no longer mad at her. 
He says this grinning, how can she lecture me about not losing my temper with umbrage? It's like, excuse you, Harry, you're a teenager that the ministry has it out for. She is a professor. She is a highly educated and highly powerful witch. She's not going to let anyone do anything she doesn't want, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas you don't have a say, and they're looking for any reason to persecute you. So that's how she has the right to tell you to calm down and why she doesn't have to be 100% calm. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, um, as they're getting ready to leave, Harry hears the exchange between McGonagall and Umbridge, and it's like, um, let me see. How long have you been teaching at Hogwarts? 39 years this December. Very well, you will receive the results of your inspection in 10 days' time. I can hardly wait, <laughs> said Professor McGonagall in a coldly indifferent voice. You're not getting rid of McGonagall. No. no McGonagall hasn't done anything wrong. She could have, like, Dumbledore's my BFF shirt on, and she'd still not get fired. Try Dumbledore again. for life. <laughs> yeah, try again. Not not her. Come for anyone else. Not McGonagall. Yeah. And come for anyone else she does. True. Because what happens next, Al? Next is care of magical creatures with Professor Gr- a Grubbly Plank, who she actually likes. Yeah, because the other option is a, a, what she would call a half-breed. Yes. Dude, and the the worst part is that Malfoy jumps in and is like, yeah, Hagrid's actually really bad. I got her by Hippogriff. Like, bro, you were told to not be rude to the Hippogriff, and you called it like a big, great oaf and talked hella crap about it to its face. Sorry, but you should have lost your arm, homie. Yeah, he actually says... Um, that was me. I was slashed by a hippogriff. A hippogriff? And Umbridge starts scribbling frantically. Only because you he was too stupid to listen to what Hagrid told him to do, said Harry angrily. And it says, both Ron and Hermione groaned. Mm-hmm. Professor Umbridge turned her head slowly in Harry's direction. <laughs> Another night's detention, I think. Yeah. Ugh. Harry really needs to stop. Yeah, True. He's he's giving her exactly what she wants. And it, he doesn't seem to understand that by doing this, he's putting himself in a really bad position. I should have talked about Umbridge, book Umbridge and movie Umbridge. Mm-hmm. And about how they are very clearly different. Mm-hmm. Because book Umbridge is more toad-like and she's very like... She's super abrasive. She likes to... Cu- I'm going to move back right now. Okay. She likes to cut people off. Him, him. Like, she's awful. She's yes. really awful. But movie Umbridge is, like, quieter. She doesn't have her, her, her little clearing her throat fake crap. She is just much more evil. Yes. She's much more controlling. She's much more sadistic. Book one? Movie one. Um, no, I think they're both really controlling and sadistic. I think I think book one is evil. Oh, okay. I think she's evil on, like, a level that, like... There are memes about it that she's worse than Voldemort. Yes. Movie one is very similarly evil, but, like, a step lower... But I would I would kick up her sadistic trait higher. I don't know. I hate both of them. True. So, it's nearly midnight when Harry leaves Umbridge's office that night, and his hand is now be- bleeding so severely that it is staining the scarf he has wrapped around it. Dude, yeah. imagine. And Hermione's there with a bowl of yellow liquid and hands it to him and says soak your hand in that well even with the the because the pen obviously magically like enhances your regenerative like 
properties, your abilities. Yeah. Because it heals back over immediately. It's to the point that that magic is ineffective. Yes. Because she's made him do it so many times. Dude. If Harry told Dumbledore, this would have been... This 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 book would have been so short. Yeah. Or Molly Weasley. Or McGonagall. Or Sirius. If he had told any, any of the adult, adults in his life... It would have been over. It would have been over. Yeah. 100%. Umbridge would not have lived to see the next day or not as she is now. Yeah. There'd be no High Inquisitor at Hogwarts. Try again. No. If he had said something from the beginning. Yeah. Once she became High Inquisitor, I think it would have been very difficult to get rid of her. It's like a... Um, Bedbugs. Once you have them, it's darn near impossible to get rid of them. From what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So when Harry returns from his final night, you've already, we've already gone yes. to this part with the Mert La- essence of Mert Lap and stuff, but I'm going yeah. to read it anyway because it's here. Yeah. Get concise. Um, Hermione says that she's also fed up with Umbridge's ineffective teaching and suggests that Harry teach defense against the dark arts to students. It's more ran- roundabout. Like, we need... Someone to teach us how to use this magic. And Ron agrees. And Harry agrees. And Harry's like, but who? We can't get any of the adults up into the castle. Nor would Umbridge allow even, like, Lupin to come up or anything. And Hermione is just like, well, what about you? You trained for the Triwizard Tournament. You know magic that we don't. You can teach us. And then, to like, Harry's surprised because Ron agrees. And it's true. Harry knows a lot of magic right now. Comparative to other uh, fifth years, he knows a lot. Yes. Um, and she, she brings up, uh, first year you saved the stone from you-know-who, and Harry's like, but that was luck. Second year, you killed the basilisk and destroyed Riddle. Yeah, but with Fox, but if Fox hadn't turned up, I. Third year, you fought off about a hundred Dementors at once. You know that's a fluke. If the Time Turner hadn't, and last year you fought off, you know who again. <laughs> yeah, and Harry yeah. gets mad and is just like, "Listen, it's all because I had help, or there was luck, or there was this." And Hermione's just like. But Harry, you're the only person who has faced Voldemort and has lived to tell the tale. You're the only one who can teach us what it takes. Yeah, he actually says, you don't know what it's like. You, neither of you, you've never had to face him, have you? You think it's just memorizing a bunch of spells and throwing them at him, like you're in class or something. The whole time you know there's nothing between you and dying except your own your own brain or guts or whatever. Like you can think straight when you know you're about a second from being murdered or tortured or watching your friends die. They've never taught us that in their classes, what it's like to deal with things like that. And you two sit there acting like I'm a clever little boy to be standing here alive, like Diggory was stupid, like he messed up. You just don't get it. That could just as easily have been me. It would have been if Voldemort hadn't needed me. And... He has PTSD. Yes, he does. And survivor's guilt. Yes, he does. Yes. At 15 years old. Please, not Cedric. At 15 years old. Yeah. Um, Harry grudgingly agrees to consider it, then goes to bed, again dreaming about long corridors and locked doors. Well, and... and it, There's much more in between, where, you know... Hermione actually says, Harry, don't you see? That is exactly why we need you. Because we don't know those things. Yeah. How are they supposed to defend, themso- defend themselves if they don't know what they're up against? And Umbridge is making it so that they don't know what they're up against. I think that it doesn't matter how much they learn from Harry. They'll never know what it's like to stare down death, basically. Yes, repeatedly. And, and it just takes one moment... 
of carelessness, and it's all over. <laughs> Harry can't. Teach or one them moment more. of being caught off guard. Because that's what happened with Cedric. He was caught off guard, and they're like, oh, get rid of the spare. Yeah. Kill the spare. Yes. <sighs> Cursed child. Yes. And he woke up. It, the last line says. His restless night was punctuated once more by dreams of long corridors and locked doors, and he awoke next day with his scar prickling again. Yep. So his scar is hurting again. Yep. Like Sirius said, it's probably going to happen more and more now often. Now often, really. <laughs> it's probably going to happen more and more often now. That's what I wanted Words to say. are hard. Words are hard. And again, I want these people who randomly start mowing the lawn at 2 p.m. On a, on a Saturday to stop. So, yeah, we have Harry as the new stand-in defense against the Dark Arts teacher. Well, no. Maybe. He hasn't decided yet. Sorry. Maybe. Maybe. And that's how this ends. I mean, I feel like it's still a decent idea because... Harry has learned this stuff, so the teachers have also learned this stuff, but they learned it forever ago. Yes. And so now they only really have a, like like textbooks to help give like, um, oh yeah, the first time you cast this spell, you'll feel you'll feel like this or you'll feel like that, or you really need to think about this, you need to think about that. A lot of the teachers at this point, everything is subconscious because they know how to do nonverbal magic, and so I'm sure they've gotten accustomed to that. But Harry just learned all this stuff last year. He knows all of the little little tricks that helped him learn. Yeah. So I think it's a good idea that he would consider this to help them out. I agree. I it would definitely be helpful in them learning what the teachers aren't going to what Umbridge is definitely not going to teach them. Yes. Because Hermione and everybody who said it in that first, the chapter where they had their first class with her, yeah. were absolutely right. How are you supposed to practically, how are you supposed to practically apply what you've learned if you've never actually done it yourself or seen it done? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Will Harry accept and become a teacher? Kind of. A, a tutor, if you will. <laughs> okay. No, that's accurate. Yeah. He's just augmenting what they're learning in class. <laughs> okay, he's actually conduct. He would be conducting a class at that point. There you go. All right, everyone. That's it. That's yeah. all we got. Yep. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Uh, uh.